Hello there, Team NXT. CD, Danny Mac here, bringing you another episode of the longest-running, independently-produced NXT podcast available, the Undisputed Future Podcast. Thank you for coming back. If you're a long-time listener, thank you for hopping on board. If you're a new listener, thank you for coming back. If you're one of those, I'm caught up with all my other podcasts. Let's see what this guy has to say about NXT. I hope there's a few casuals out there that fall in that category. I love all my listeners. Thank you so, so much. Um, if you're checking out this episode, this one is going to mean a lot to me. Guys, um, just kind of been a rough month of March. The last time you heard from me, I was live on twitch.tv backslash tiptoe with Tulo, the one and only Nick Tulo from the Comedians of Wrestling podcast. Another show that if you're not listening to that one, you should do that right after this. Uh, absolutely fantastic time over on Twitch. As you know for years, if you've listened to this, I rarely do video content, if at all. So that was a fun experience. It was a takeover watch along with one of the best communities in professional wrestling fandom. Seriously, it was it was a lot of fun, Nick, if you're out there listening. Thank you. I cannot wait to do it for the upcoming NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. But before I get into the recent NXT talk, before I get into all of the exciting notes that I have going back to St. Patrick's Day, shooting from the hip, um, perfectly candid with everybody, it is Wednesday, March 31st. I took the month of March off from recording the show because I lost one of the best people in my life, my grandmother. Thank you so much to everybody for your understanding and even those who reached out and my fellow podcasters and just friends and family and everybody showing the love. Um, there's, there's rough milestones to meet in life and not having any more grandparents is one of the roughest ones. There's all the great ones that you need to strive for. And then there's the ones that really suck and make you really retrospective and Along with the mourning process, it's just, you know, you need time to grieve as well as just time to think and time to get back into the normal, normal routines of life. And this is something I consider a passion project. And this is, this is a Wednesday where I felt really good after, after a work day, you know, getting back on, on that horse has been, has been one of the more stable things in my life. And I'm happy to have a career that I not just enjoy, but that I'm good at and, I'm fortunate enough to have co-workers that understood and covered for me in that rough period of time. Uh, this is something I wanted to do when I know that I'm in the mindset to talk wrestling, where I know things are on the up and up, and taking a sufficient month and some change off, considering that it was February and the last time was TakeOver Vengeance Day, right smack on Valentine's Day, and then the following week, it was uh, it was my life changing for for the worse. And today felt right. Today, just everything, how it's been going so far, the way I'm recording this show is I plan on doing this. I'm going to give you guys discussion going back to St. Patrick's Day, March 17th edition of NXT TV, leading through those last couple weeks to this takeover build that has been for March, because the last stop before TakeOver Stand and Deliver is going to need to be a prediction show all-in-one based on just how the week of WrestleMania is falling. It's week one. 
It's 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 a, quite a week. It's Wednesday night and Thursday night on split ways to watch it on live TV and a streaming app that I bought the Office US on DVD for that I didn't want this streaming app in the first place to do. So jokes on me there. Um, unmentioned streaming app. I don't get paid enough to say these kind of things. So shout out to international listeners from the US. Um, everybody who gets to keep their network, cherish it. Um, the layout is clearly better. The search feature is better. And I'm just going to not get mad at corporate greed. And I'm going to channel this passion discussion into the actual wrestling itself. Let's go back to March 17th. St. Paddy's Day would kick off with an Irish Prince Yes, the Mac and CD Danny Mac does stand for an Irish name. That's why I'm such a big Finn Balor fan. That's really all it needed to take was the badass face paint in Japan and the great matches and then just with his Irish roots. And that half of me is is one big part of my fandom for Finn Balor. The Karrion Cross and Finn Balor standoff, we knew it was coming. Cross is built up in a position... A few wins under his belt. WrestleMania week takeover. The devil looks to get his due. The apocalyptic figure brings to uh, brings to a close the time of Finn Balor's championship reign. It's entirely possible, but this was this was a, a fine Finn Balor promo. I mean, if there's one weak point any Finn Balor fan needs to recognize, it's probably going to be in that category. But I thoroughly enjoy it because you see the intensity. Cross looks and talks, but cannot be in the main event as the champion with him. In comparison, we're comparing one championship stature to another. Yes, you beat a former big-time NXT champion to get your shot, but then you lost that shot. Now a rightful champion is at the top. It's my spot. You're going to have to take it from me. Scarlett's seen this in the cards with her creepy presence. She's the star of this duo, in my opinion. And uh, Cross very simply just vows to choke out the prince. Cross bringing not just that submission game to the table, but also that devastating knockout elbow to the back of the neck area. A very, very Cassius Ono, Chris Hero-like finish by, by Karrion Cross. Doesn't necessarily make me appreciate him anymore, but it's a nice adapted move for his moveset. I can see that coming from him. I'd like to see less suplexes that hurt people, and unfortunately we saw that happen with former, now former, NXT Tag Team Champion Danny Burch, but carrying Cross, I hope for a good match, and it's against Finn Bauer, so it's going to be a quality match, and we got more, more things to talk about on that crash course towards the NXT Championship. Talking Stockholm Syndrome featured a match. Austin Theory versus Dexter Loomis. The kidnapping circumstance surrounding Austin Theory. And then he found his way back to Johnny Gargano and the rest of the crew. I I really enjoyed this match. Great match on both ends. Both guys break out moments. I feel like Austin Theory's matches get better and better despite the character change to a bit of a muscle-headed moron. I like what Austin Theory does in the ring. I like his matches. He's a young kid. He's got a great look to him. And Dexter Loomis, 
I could say pretty much the same mirror thing for, except he's got a little bit more of an interesting character. Haven't heard him speak yet. I feel like that's going to come later down the line. It's going to have to come as champion. Or if we have a champion who doesn't cut promos, I'm not really going to be sure what to think about that. Let me get back to you uh, maybe post-takeover, but the North American Championship title picture is... Uh, it gets a little complicated. I'll, uh, I'll get to that soon. This match, I think the Stockholm Syndrome from a few weeks back did not necessarily show for a lot of this. Johnny Gargano did right talking up his boy. Um, until a handshake was offered. And then uh, the silence is attempted. Johnny Gargano was right, but Austin Theory ended up being on the wrong side of a side slam and a silence. Dexter Loomis with another W over the way. Will he get the big win? There's a lot of contention for Johnny Gargano's championship at this time. Um, Going back to his DIY partner, I liked this promo that Champa says Imperium has messed up by taking out toothless Timmy Thatcher. This team of Champa and Thatcher I'm also enjoying way more than I expected to. But Champa's upcoming match with NXT United Kingdom champion Walter is probably my most anticipated Champa match. The fight pit, highly anticipated, but I think I'm looking forward to this one in between that. And obviously nothing compares to the long lineage with Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Champa and that saga of matches. Back at St. Paddy's Day, I was only saying that uh, that Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly's rivalry was heating up. Heating up is, uh, I think we're, we're well past that. The heat turns to fire, I'd say, on uh, on the 24th edition. And then just the fire is setting off a whole series of fireworks and explosions. What? Well, no, Not a cheap shot, a euphemism. That was not a cheap shot. That was a euphemism and a metaphor for an NXT rivalry. No, I'm not referencing any exploding rings. I guess now I am, but no, let's let's move past that. Let's move past that. Let's talk something, something that I probably wanted to start the show with because I've been thinking about like, this is the topic. This is the topic that needs to, I need to put something out there and talk about this. It's the first ever Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup for the women's division. It's the NXT getting the women's tag team championships shots proper on NXT television or takeover events and any other sort of wide open field that having a set of titles defended on three brands and one of those brands just so happens to be the best women's division on the planet. Let's say one, count them, one, one pair of tag team championships for the women. Now, of course, this has to get somehow jeopardized. A simple concept like that. In a world where there's so many titles in wrestling, this isn't just about WWE, in wrestling. In wrestling, there's a lot of damn 
titles. WWE is the biggest proponent and criminal of this act. One set of women's tag team championships. Just one. That's all that was needed. Is that what ended up being? No. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler would defend those titles against the likes of the winners of the first ever Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. A lot of people's heavy favorite going into the tournament. A lot of people's favorite team coming out of the thing. Getting that shot, earning that shot, the Haas fight, the Shayna Baszler and Dakota Kai history. This match, this match could have been so good. It could have been the best NXT-based women's tag team championship title defense and possibly change of hands. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai taking those titles off of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler could have been Awesome. It could have made NXT stand out. It could have been an NXT moment worth talking about on Raw when Shayna and Nia come out without their championships and the handful of people still watching Raw live are wondering, gee, what happened to the tag team championships? Oh, they're on NXT now. If you're a big enough fan of women's wrestling, you're going to watch those titles be defended. You're going to tune into NXT. And from there, you're going to see the women's in singles action too. And then you can book around, oh boy, what if such and such got together in a team and those two took on such? It leaves out a lot for the fans. You take away something by adding another title. You take away talking points. You just fill in a blank and it's, why? Why? we? And I say this, going into what's what's done is done and the referee shenanigans happened between the NXT referee gets knocked out and the Raw one makes the count, and that's okay because Pat, not Pat Buck, Adam Pierce said it was okay, and I thought Pat Buck, because of Nia Jax and their, their history, I guess, Adam Pierce appears to be the ones running the show on Monday nights. So you got the stripe shirt referee from the Red Show calling those shots on the yellow show, and that's one big controversy. And then Regal's foot down is saying, no, add another championship to the scene. And we have, and I am not taking away from the look of these belts. If there's one thing, and I pride myself on not being one of these, let's just sit down and talk about all the negativity in pro wrestling. I promise, if you're a first time or new listener, this is not a regularity. I'm looking for the bright spots. This is why I talk about NXT. This is the show that I feel a lot of fans throughout the years have had the most good things to say about. This is just a topic because I care about women's wrestling and the focus could have been somewhere else and those titles could have meant more. That one specific set of titles could have meant more. It did not need the malarkey surrounding things. And I'm going to transition this by saying they're beautiful belts. I think they're fantastic in their design. That's not the issue here. I've never faulted the look. Even the new IWGP title with its winged look, you know, there's a reason for things. 
you can find a bright spot, a good-looking piece of gold is a good-looking piece of gold over somebody's shoulder or on somebody's waist. The contenders are going to make the titles. The contenders are going to make the titles. You forget about how generic or how boring or how dumb some titles are based on who holds them. Or you're sitting there thinking, okay, I might not like that design, but at least so-and-so is getting a shot to mean something and be insert champion here. And that would have been a cool place to start for Dakota Kai and a good place to what we now know will continue for Raquel Gonzalez and her standing as a wrestler and her formation of a career. Moving on. The titles, it's said and done. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai lost that match. Controversial fashion. Regal said, not so fast. NXT introduces the NXT Women's Tag Team Championship belts. Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, proud and certainly earned those titles between winning the tournament and that matchup against Nia and Shayna. But then, right away, right away, Shati Blackheart and Ember Moon, which I called to win the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup from before the brackets were announced. Go back in the archives if you got the time. It's there. I called Shotzi and Ember being a formated team, going all the way and winning something. And that was at the time the Dusty Rhodes Cup and the entire tournament. Them walking out with the trophy and, you know, hanging on to it from the tank, it would have looked badass. I don't know why the Dusty Rhodes Classic Cup teams don't carry around the trophy more after winning it. MSK right now, I don't expect them to be carrying anything with the hand injury. But still, Shotzi and Ember, I called to win something. This is not the issue. I'm happy for them. But the quick turnaround time of Regal from announcing titles to getting titles to giving the title shot, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez put on a badass and awesome match against Ember and Shotzi, and Ember and Shotzi do win those titles? It's great. I'm happy to celebrate with them. Ember Moon makes history. And she came back to NXT to make history, and that's exactly what she did. First one to win this women's championship and those tag titles. It's great for what it does. I just think the turnaround time on all of this story-wise, and then Raquel gets called out by Io Shirai, which I think is another incredible point to make in this division. Io Shirai picking her next shot, being that confident of a reigning champion. David calls out Goliath. Awesome. Awesome. It's what I wanted. It's what I expected coming up this takeover. But getting there that way, it's not how my brain processed it. It just felt like it it had to get processed too quickly. 
just and something that's taking me a long time to process is this catchphrase of TCB with Ember's Law. You're taking care of business, which I guess I need to go back and listen to that Ember's Law promo to get the full range of what that means. And even I'm not gonna even I'm not gonna go back and do that. And I'm one of the biggest NXT fans on the planet. Um, Ember's Ember's best features are. The character work that has been built through this tag team with Shotzi. The tag team with Shotzi, as I've mentioned before, has not just given her opportunity back in NXT and a reason to be in that Dusty in that Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup, but you add the tank and the punk rock attitude and the overall riotous, not to be confused with the riot squad, but rebellious attitude of Shotzi Blackheart with the post-apocalyptic Mad Max, for lack of a better comparison, feel to this Ember Moon entitlement uh, in encapsulation. Yeah, encapsulation makes sense somewhere in the English language out there. Um, okay, it works. They, Ember and Shotzi, are our reigning NXT Women's Tag Team Champions. And I'm okay with that. I'm perfectly happy with that. Getting there the way we did is my main issue. And now that we're 22 minutes into the show, there's a few things I'm just going to breeze on through. Speaking of Breezango. Breezango versus Legado del Fantasma, accompanied by who I see as the real Cruiserweight Champion, Santos Escobar, leading his men into battle. Um, Breeze versus... Jushin Thunder Liger getting some love, a match that I recently thought about, and if you want to go back and find the evidence to that, at podcast underscore UF on Twitter, I was thinking about that match, and I watched that match. Also, shout out to uh, to Spencer Love at Love Wrestling CA um, for also thinking about that match and having a pleasant interaction with me on Twitter regarding that match. Funnest fact about that match is if you go back and you do watch that, um, you will see the first ever post, um, not post, outside of Florida takeover fan cam sign belongs to yours truly with Liger Live Takeover. Yeah, imagine that. You want to go back and uh, see what the face is to the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion. Anyway, uh, I got some love and some time for this tag match. I really enjoyed this one. Big win and a big shot to the face of Prince Pretty. Legado del Fantasma seems to be rolling, and as they very much should be going into Santos Escobar's big cruiserweight title defense against uh, against Jordan Devlin, who, as one sense of my Irish pride, the uh, the Irish curse in bad behavior appears to have fallen to Mr. Devlin. Uh, the champion with less recognition and the Title defense since the pandemic. Uh, I don't think that's what the real champion looks like. I really don't. I mean, he wasn't even wearing a suit. Absolutely not what a real champion looks like. Santos rocking a suit and presenting himself properly. Yes, the vacancy and the tournaments... But think about the talent that at the time a masked Santos Escobar 
went through. I don't think he's filling in. I think Santos has redefined the division. And if you ask him, he'll tell you the same damn thing. The title shots, let's let's call it a title shot. Let's say Jordan Devlin is getting a shot at the real Cruiserweight champion for uh, for one's perspective. Now, neutrality, because of the way it's going to take place, because of what Shawn Michaels decided to put up in the air, and it was those titles, those titles will be suspended and Jordan Devlin will face Santos Escobar in a ladder match. This is the one getting the ladder match. Not the tag team titles as I would first early predict for this takeover, just the way it was shaping up with the unfortunate vacancy, but a triple threat match between three very talented teams in Legado Fantasma, MSK, and the Grizzled Young Veterans. Good old Dr. P coming in clutch. Um, Jordan Devlin versus Santos. It's going to be an exciting, exciting match. It's a ladder match blessed by HBK, Shawn Michaels himself. That's as big of a stamp as I can put on this one. That's, there's no, there's no good transition or segue from that one. Other than, uh, let's talk Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark, somebody the NXT brass has obviously had their eyes and minds and creative pens on because I'm going to talk about her match against Dakota Kai briefly here and as of the recording of this podcast I'm going to be talking about later her match in a very anticipated match with NXT Women's Championship number one contender Raquel Gonzalez on the March 31st edition of NXT TV. Even in my notes I featured uh, (laughs) a Hoping this leads to Raquel versus Stark, pre or post Io Shirai. One uh, one note to go back to that I was writing down myself on, on March 17th while watching NXT. What a great match. Zoe Stark has built such a great resume for herself in such a short span of time. Kind of like yours truly in the real estate industry who is feeling like a dynamo. As of late, shout out to Bowery Valuation for all your appraisal needs. Um, Dakota Kai with a GTK. Unbelievable setup for a great counter against Zoe Stark, who attempted a top rope maneuver of her own. Zoe Stark is not a small woman. She's going to be a women's division hoss that can move And I very much anticipate some great and unique offense in this match coming up against Raquel Gonzalez. The power game is going to be highlighted and display, and that's going to be the story being told going into TakeOver. It's going to be the woman handling and the Raquel Gonzalez win in how how Io Shirai is able to overcome. Um, These four will be featured in a tag team match that I'm going to briefly get to. A little bit as well. Uh, Cruiserweight Championship situation brought up by commotion towards uh, the Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly situation, which everything, everything under the sun has been has been brought in uh, brought in for. We got Imperium coming out. Toothless Timmy was taken out. So uh, Fabian Eichner, 
eye for an eye, as Tommaso Ciampa would look at things. Marcel Barthel putting on a surprisingly... Only surprising because I don't know much about Marcel Bartel in singles competition, and I know I'm not the only person saying or thinking this as they listen to me say that. Um, really enjoyed him trying to ground Champa, cut off the really house-on-fire assault that Tommaso Champa was coming out and storming Imperium's entrance with. There was time for the cruiserweight-like offense that Imperium's tag team suites is able to bring to the table. That's kind of where it uh, where it all falls for Imperium, I think. It's Fabian Eichner, the most cruiserweight. Then it gets a little bit more technical with Marcel Barthel. Then it gets a little bit more hands-on and powerful with the Axeman Alexander Wolfe. And then it really all pieces together in our NXT United Kingdom champion, Walter. The assault by Imperium. What a chop. What a powerbomb. This is the post-match assault that needs recognition. The setup for this Walter versus Ciampa match. This, this is why it's become up there. I think my my most uh, this will ch- I'm going to I'm going to state this now only because I want to see how it's going to change let's see as of 7 let's call it 7:25 Eastern Standard Time on March 31st by the time I get through speaking on this that's probably what time it'll be My top 3 anticipated matches for Takeover Stand and Deliver so far Champa versus Walter Io Shirai versus Raquel Gonzalez and Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. Maybe it's because it's the three most unpredictable, although playing spoiler a little bit, Walter does have an NXT UK title defense the very next day on uh, on the Prelude event, but that does not take away from the anticipation of what a fight this is going to be. This is where the cops were involved if... That could be a smooth enough transition to the Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole match taking form. It's action on the side of the road. Depending on whose testimony you're going to believe. I mean, Kyle O'Reilly angry enough that I believe Adam Cole speaking right to it. That Kyle O'Reilly tried to run Adam Cole off of the road. Off the road. Off of is not proper English. Going back to my uh, my proper Catholic school grammar days. So, any other podcast hosts want to make that personal correction, making that announcement out loud. Everybody is cursing everyone out. It's hectic. It's a believable rivalry. And this is what we want in pro wrestling. We want believability. It's simple enough. It's two former best friends in a faction. And their brilliance goes back to Ring of Honor, which you can reference their great matches there. It's years of experience more. It's years of character development. It's years more working with each other and getting to know each other. This match at TakeOver, it's going to tear the roof off of the CWC. The debuting L.A. Knight, well, his uh, his debut match did not go, uh, did not go his way with, with Bronson Reed, but talking about the high point for L.A. Knight so far, 
pulling out a cutting stunner with a little bit of a face buster like touch to it it was kind of like an ace crusher meets the old dirty deeds from one dean ambrose kind of what bailey's finisher looks like now tweaked in there without the hook of the arm this obviously came from the upper neck and like assault like the ace crusher would be it's cool i like the uh the spiraling down and the the crushing way of the of the neck there's one thing i haven't seen in let's just say it how i know him eli drake's career i am very familiar with his promo work I've not watched a lot of his actual matches going through Impacts or NWA that have been wins. This could be a brand new finisher just for NXT. Please feel free to correct me on my ignorance of fandom on Eli Drake, LA Knight's past, but he's a character I've been a fan of. This name change, it is what it is. It's a WWE transition. You keep the syllables. He can still hit that delivery of L.A. Knight. And let me talk to you about his greatness a little bit later on. And I'll get to know him like anybody else. Anticipating and uh, experiencing him for the for the very first time. The tag team match for the ladies would get confirmed. There's my... Uh, there's my deal there. Uh... Weird, weird, uh, that's, there we go. That's why I was really, really, really bummed out. I did not mention this at the beginning of the program, and I apologize to our now former NXT Tag Team Champions, but did not mention the setup and the seduction by Scarlett to set up this Tag Team Title Defense by Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Which now we know because of a suplex by carrying cross gone wrong. It will be their last for the foreseeable future NXT tag team title defense. Uh, Lorcan would hit an epic uppercut on Finn Balor after carrying cross would absolutely lose it on Balor. For, for Balor inadvertently... Causing a collision with Oni Lorcan and Scarlet the Harlot. Uh, Cross dismantled Balor on the outside. I really liked the plexiglass on the outside of the CWC hit. Made a really rewarding sound, if I recall correctly. And unfortunately, to the skull of our NXT champion. Big win and big pin for Oni Lorcan. Just, uh, just kind of sucks it. It would not be, uh. It would not be another title defense and Danny Birch separating his shoulder out for an anticipated number of weeks, I believe six to eight. It's enough time where the championships need to be vacated. Going into a takeover defense and it's really, really unfair that Lorcan and Birch were denied this opportunity against MSK because that's just a Clash of Styles match it would be really cool to see the passing of these titles and the torch from Lorcan and Birch to MSK because you know how much of a cruiserweight versus old school fighting straight up 
style brawling bruisers it would be. That kind of clash and transition for new champions could have been awesome. And injuries happen and just unfortunate circumstance. And this would lead back to something that Scarlet herself would uh would say. Everything happens for a reason. You can't skip fate. And unfortunately, this was the fate for Danny Birch at this time. And we're getting a kick-ass triple threat at TakeOver instead. Uh, moving on. And I'm going to speak very, very quickly to this match. Because my only notes were in big bold letters because of how badly I need to focus on the greatest women's division on earth right now is on the March 24th edition just big bold letters of women's tag Io Shirai, Zoe Stark versus Raquel and Dakota and then I put my phone down face down and I watched this match and it's a great match it's women's tag team action that we'd come to expect on NXT that those one set of tag titles being defended I'm sorry Team NXT I'm getting angry about it all over again great match a lot of reasons to have faith in Zoe Stark cannot wait for this upcoming match versus Raquel Gonzalez Uh, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark picking up the win in this one Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, the unspoken of the tension going on in the Undisputed Era with all of this fallout, with all of this heartache. It is not the end of heartache for Roderick Strong. It is not the end of heartache for Roderick Strong fans. He's he's the he's the kid in the divorce right now. There's the only way to describe his character. Or he's the middle child's looking to seek and get attention because I cannot wait for his upcoming involvement in the North American Championship scene. If we can run back a classic match between Roderick Strong and Johnny Gargano, give that takeover stage and time, that could be huge. But I just don't know if there's enough time to make a meaningful contender outside of the people that you anticipate other people having matches with them. And I'm sidetracking really far here, folks. I'm, uh, it's, it's going to come, it's going to come back around because the next subject is Bronson Reed versus LA Knight. And a, uh, a huge debut for LA Knight gets, squashed by a huge tsunami win for Bronson Reed and there's rivalries within this very complicated gauntlet battle royal situation that you care about but when it's all said and done there's really the only way to look at this again as of this recording I hope something proves me wrong to be honest this the uh the March 31st edition of NXT TV. But the way that this North American Championship situation, the Gauntlet Battle Royal and the formation of that Gauntlet match, it seems to be a landscape and a vehicle to just move around 
and get to other pieces. Like, for example, we've heard a lot of technical wrestler talk between Pete Dunne and Kushida, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna call this a, a hodgepodge of of notes and and talk about the uh, a few things along the way. But this whole North American Championship scene, the only meaningful contender going into a takeover scenario is Dexter Loomis based on the way that the storyline has been piecing together, pun fully intended based on tone. Kushida versus Pete Dunne could be made in the Battle Royal, or it could be made on night one that becomes such a heated circumstance that these two can't wait to get their hands on each other. This needs to happen on the very next night of TakeOver Stand and Deliver, and we get an impromptu amazing match between Pete Dunne and Kushida playing out because of either just a more spontaneous setup. It's still a spontaneous setup, and it gets pieced together in this uh, in this battle royal that we have upcoming tonight as of recording this show. I don't know. It could be set up through that, or we could get an immediate back-to-back turnaround time on a six-man gauntlet eliminator match to a, uh, to a uh, takeover night two matchup. There's, there's room on the card for more matches. Nothing's hit its quota yet, is the point. Let's uh, talk about a long walk for a short drink of water on that topic. Uh, triple threat to solve the vacated tag team titles issue. I talked on that. Oni Lorcan would look to get redemption for his tag team partner last week against one Karrion Cross. It's the Oni Lorcan babyface match you really love to see. He gets beat up. He gets angry. The house on fire comeback happens. There wasn't much of a beard to grab on Karrion Cross's face, but the strong... Slaps come from <laughs> Colin, what are you doing? Velveteen dog. There he is. There's the Velveteen dog. The only time Velveteen will be referenced on this show because of that's the only comparison to how soft my dog's fur is. Uh it's the only Orkin babyface match you wanna see. The big time slaps across his opponent's face. And the dynamic offense, it was a good, bald, bruiser match. But it ends how he gets beat up again. That's how the Oni Lorcan babyface matchups, more times than not, ended on, uh, on his more regular babyface run back on, back on his early NXT tenure. Uh, Cross would call out the malice of Finn Balor, saying he admires it, but it also has consequences. Balor would anticipate this call and says he answered Karrion Cross's absolute best shot, and he's still standing. I don't know if that best shot has come without getting a uh, getting a fine dose of in-ring action with the apocalyptic. Carrying cross. Uh, 
possibly showed Balor a weakness, another storyline touch, really worth referencing. Nothing like a woman to maybe, especially a beautiful woman, like Scarlet, especially a beautiful woman that you care very much about to show Finn Balor a weakness. Now, I'm not one for violence from one sex to the other. But it's an interesting point worth touching on. This fueled Karrion Cross's emotions. Children fight with emotions. Finn Balor has learned to control his own emotions. Another storyline point as to why we have not seen and will not see for this matchup the demon Finn Balor. Come take over. Cross Cross doesn't need to control his emotions to control the NXT Championship. I think that's a mistake. I think that if he doesn't control his emotions, he won't get the championship back in his control for a second time. Yes, you got to count the two-time championships, but I'm one of the people who think Reigns... Length in days matter more than number of number of times. Just my opinion. And going back to something that a guy who has a lot of championship reigns and won the Royal Rumble have in common. Edge, Edge a multi-time double-digit world champion in itself. He's won probably more championships than anybody active in wrestling right now. And I have in common. It's not being in the WWE Hall of Fame, that is for sure. If you go back and you listen to the Edge and Christian pot of awesomeness, you will hear Edge's dogs drinking in the background. That is something that I've come to learn and experience that might come up in the background of my own show. So I've learned to take that point to talk over it and make that point. And luckily, the times that I have needed to make that reference and transition, there has kind of been... A uh, an edge transition kind of within reasonable arm's reach. Uh, Drake Maverick looking for his partner would suspect Imperium and who would end up across the ring from Walter. Now, as big of anticipation as there were for a chop, I'm happy... As a guy who probably has the similar build to Drake Maverick, you know, skinny and cut with a bit of athleticism to him, I'm very grateful that I didn't see somebody with a similar chest complexion as my own take such a brutal shot and have that echo through an arena of, uh, of folks. Uh, the power bomb to the crab, and that would be that. The referee calling for the bell. Champa would answer the post-match Imperium pose by rocking some Timmy Toothless merchandise. Love when tag team partners 
respect each other enough to rock their own wear when they're out of commission. I hope it's nothing serious for Timothy Thatcher. I'm assuming it's the COVID-related nonsense that seems to be happening in that state. Uh, get well soon, Mr. Thatcher. Champa knows exactly what he's intrigued by. He knows what he wants. And honestly, he knows what we all want. And that is a match. He would get a nine at first, but it pieces together. Champa versus Walter at NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Going back to women's action, the biggest re-signing to a brand maybe ever. Maybe since Ember Moon re-signed back with NXT. That's right, folks. Mercedes Martinez has re-signed to the Robert Stone brand. All right, don't all jump up and down or clap at once. I mean, calm yourselves. You might be in a public place listening to this podcast. I want you to, you know, gain gain your own composure like, like I am making it through this segment. No. Uh, Mercedes Martinez, major, major back in NXT. Just, you can't... I'm 49 and change minutes into the show so far because of how many good things there usually is to say about this women's division. Mercedes Martinez re-signing to the Robert Stone brand. Robert Stone brand versus Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. Aaliyah's first title opportunity in her very long NX tenure. Um, But it would be the defining defense by Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon because it was the first successful defense by Shotzi Blackheart. And Ember Moon. Um, I wouldn't buy stock in the Robert Stone brands. I'm not sure if they're a public within a public option of WWE because it seems like Mercedes Martinez might not be thrilled enough with the with this decision to to resign. She might be she might be breaching and breaking that contract very very shortly. All right, Team NXT, we're almost an hour in so far, and I want to thank you all for sticking by me so far. I want to wrap up the discussion of the March 24th edition of NXT TV with some time to spare before NXT begins on uh, on March 31st here. And I plan on eating dinner as I watch pro wrestling, so that was just a time to take a break and uh, start at least a little bit of the cooking process. I got about a few minutes before NXT begins. Let's wrap things up here. Let's put a little bit of, I gotta take a little bit of time to reference two really nice and entertaining promos here on this edition of NXT TV. Johnny Gargano about to kick down Regal's door and then just stomps forward and opens the handle. And this was even before he respect, he with all due respect inquires if Regal is, and I'm gonna quote our NXT North American champion here, Cuckoo Bananas. He inquired if our general manager, William Regal, is cuckoo bananas. He would need time to strategize and prepare and study tape and be Johnny Takeover in order to really build proper a match for the North American Championship. He would not get his wish, but in return, he would not shut William Regal's door. Nope, not shutting the door, not shutting it, (laughs) not shutting it. 
North American champion Johnny Gargano not happy with the with the decisions by our general manager Cameron Grimes now at least I mean Cameron Grimes I believe I have not listened to the interview but by hearsay this millionaire deal that Cameron Grimes has might be a little bit of a shoot hearsay Hearsay from fellow fans, I have no real official source, but based on what they've listened to on an After the Bell episode, some of it's, some of it's shoot real money. Uh, Cameron Grimes, trying to show his sympathy towards Roddy Strong, offers to buy the Undisputed Era intellectual property, but gets swatted in the face for... Uh, for that time and for that effort. Uh, what we got here? Uh, I'm still trying to figure out what TCB with Ember's Law, blah, 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 really means. But the way to take over is going to feature Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae going after the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. Again, that's another reason. Another reason. Got to throw NXT in front of another set of championships and just make the make the name of those titles longer, as well as a separate set of belts in and uh, in and of their own. Uh, the gauntlet match, the tag team titles, NXT United Kingdom Championship, and the women's championship. Night one of Takeover, and Bauer versus Cross, Santos versus Devlin, and Gargano versus the winner of his matchup um, appears to be taking place. So far on night two of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. So like I mentioned earlier, still a little bit of time to piece that card together and we'll see what happens. Kushida versus Jordan Devlin on this episode. Listen, Legato Fantasma interfered. Great cruiserweight matchup. Kushida, a standout talent on 205 Live. I've seen him live myself after the MSG SmackDown. Great addition to that brand. I'd seen him compete in that division before. I wouldn't be opposed to him making the Cruiserweight Championship mean something someday himself. Kushida cradled but not rolled up by Devlin after suffering just enough shoulder damage throughout this matchup to pull off the Devlin side. So Phantasma would interfere, not costing Santos Escobar's opponent, Jordan Devlin, come takeover. But Kushida would be rolled up by Devlin. And everything bad I have bad everything bad I have to say about Jordan Devlin, I'm gonna be admitted to entertained by his matches and uh I thought it was a really nice finish. I thought it was a good way to end that one. And Kushida needs to get back on his winning ways if he needs to, if he wants to prove himself to be the best technical wrestler in the world. The Regal sit down between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. I'm kind of glad this is the last topic because I can't put this into words. I've been doing this podcast. A long time, 123 episodes now, and I don't have the words 
to put what this interaction, what this sparks in you as a wrestling fan, it's just, it's everything you want to see in a rivalry. It's something that means something, and you walk away with that one quote that you're going to remember, and that's going to really stand out. And when you think, oh man, remember the build for that matchup and the promo between Cole and O'Reilly and O'Reilly came back with, I sold my soul for the Undisputed Era and damn it, I want it back. Remember when Kyle O'Reilly hit that line against Adam Cole before their takeover stand and deliver matchup? That is a classic moment in NXT history that we witnessed on that edition of NXT television. Great promo between these two men. This is an unsanctioned match. And I want to thank everybody that took the time to read my note that I put out um, about them not being able to share a locker room anymore. And what Adam Cole can be what can be done with Adam Cole to call him up as a single star to SmackDown or Raw. And give Kyle O'Reilly the biggest takeover win of his career so far. Um, all of that. All that stuff. Um, go back and go back and read that note. I put it into way better words. I didn't have time to record and put something out. And again, didn't have the mental capacity to record and put something out in that span of time. So this is good because unsanctioned matches, I have a personal big fandom of, and they feature Triple H and Shawn Michaels currently running NXT. And if this match between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole gets any inspiration from the unsanctioned match between Triple H and HBK at SummerSlam 2002, this is going to be one unbelievable, violent, and meaningful matchup for these two guys. And I cannot wait to see it. And with that, I'm going to put a nice little timestamp in the episode description, almost at an even point of 59 minutes. I'm going to see if I can ramble long enough, just enough to get there. I will talk to you guys with some March 31st edition of NXT Discussion next. Hello again, Team NXT, if you're still with me, and welcome to those taking advantage of the timestamp that will be in the episode description um, across all of the platforms. Thank you so much for listening. CD Danny Mac here, the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion or has been your choice for the past 59 minutes or so. Ready to talk about the March 31st edition of NXT TV. Still on the road to NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. One week closer to the final Fallout And this card really took shape this evening. And I'm using this evening, of course, in context of the fact that I'm recording this show before and after the most recent edition of NXT. And I'm really hoping to get this part of the show out and this latest episode out on Thursday, April 1st, or at some point the beginning of the weekend on April 2nd. Talking straight from the top and with full transparency, which is what this show is all about. I was kind of still cooking myself a little bit of dinner during the first parts of NXT this evening, so I did miss a little bit of Roderick 
strong. But the gist of things, how I'm reading Roddy this week, is he's trying to get himself back. He's trying to find himself on that proper mental track. He's trying to find his mental health that will bring him physical success. And that is the real story with this match against Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes, who I talked about the funny little altercation that they had on March 24th. And Grimes really going all in on the intellectual property of the Undisputed Era. Grimes the System t-shirts. I could I could see myself on that bandwagon. Um, the entrance theme, a little bit of a remix. Still waiting for... Uh, Still waiting for Kiss My Grits, parentheses, I Got Money, close parentheses, to hit on Spotify, J. Dean Williams. I mean, uh, any way I could possibly help that, even though I need to get my own project up on Spotify, just just let me know. I know I know he's listening. Um, Roddy wasn't having any of it, long and short of Cameron Grimes attempting to procure the intellectual property for the Undisputed Era, having none of it. Not a reminder that Roderick Strong needs right now not don't poke the bear although kind of paid off a little bit for Cameron Grimes bringing this stuff up it led him to the victory Cameron Grimes through the course of this matchup based on how I was running from my kitchen back to my television back to the kitchen from what I was able to gather Grimes really the old school heel control overpowering the smaller babyface in this situation Roddy of course transitioning probably in the most tweener role of anybody in the Undisputed Era landscape right now, considering we don't know what kind of shape Bobby Fish is in, likely injured or up on some conspiracy theory. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly, mega babyface. Adam Cole, mega scumbag heel. So Roderick Strong still kind of trying to find himself, still stuck in the middle, still that kid in the divorce, that gray area, as I've put it a little bit earlier. This is a really interesting place for Roddy to be because it kind of reminds me of his early tenure in NXT, that underdog babyface that has had this rough upbringing. And now we see that rough, not just upbringing, but rough comparison in his career. We know from the Who is Roderick Strong documentaries back in the day that his parents' relationship was not great. And now he's dealing with the relationship of two of his best friends that got him out of that funk through pro wrestlings, their relationship is not in the greatest of shape. So Roddy's angry, he's confused, and it really affected him here. Roderick Strong would be fooled by an armband pulled out by Cameron Grimes, as initially expected in the matchup. This point, I was kind of close and sitting down on my television. I might have been preparing my vegetable side dishes at this point. But I did see the end of the match, and I did see the replay. This foreign object that Cameron Grimes appeared to pull out of his tights was an Undisputed Era armband. And I loved the finish of this match because this was another great finish parallel to a takeover match finish that I also really liked. I just finished discussing this before I pull out the comparison here. Uh, the Roderick Strong being fooled by the armband pulled out by Grimes, just staring at it for that one extra second would cause the cave-in for Roderick Strong. Grimes hitting his signature move, even if it was just with what appeared to be one big foot, but all that weight still crashing down on Roderick Strong. It still just takes three seconds to seal that victory. This psychological 
distraction, a Roderick Strong mental shock to his own system. He would be sad and pronounced himself done later on this evening to uh, to Mackenzie Mitchell, which if we know anything from the recently used I'm done in NXT, I believe the last time we heard it was Austin Theory. So Roderick Strong should be appearing on NXT TV in a Scream ghost face mask in, uh, in just a matter of weeks from now. The Roderick Strong stuff is still playing out, so I can't really do as much of a deep dive into how this is formating as I would like to. I feel like he could be a catalyst in that TakeOver match unsanctioned between Cole and O'Reilly, but I don't want him to be. I want this match to be started and finished just between these two men, but when it involves faction warfare and a few extra moving parts, it's kind of a tough call to make a couple weeks out from, from TakeOver itself. The ending of this matchup, the parallel that I drew, and a couple of you out there might have guessed it already, Andrade. Andrade, a very popular conversation topic in the world of wrestling lately. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn against Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano just just fresh off the DIY breakup at TakeOver Chicago, thrown a t-shirt from Zelina Vega to the ring, that slight distraction would set up Johnny Gargano being cost the match. So, one major big takeaway from this episode of NXT was the uniqueness of the finishes, and I'll get to that with the later on gauntlet battle royale. Walter and Tommaso Ciampa having a little bit of vignette war of words through through this week. I thought both video packages, well, Backstage interview, video package, Walters was was a little more put together and precise and championship worthy as the NXT United Kingdom champion should expect. The man expects perfection, respect the sport, the mat is sacred, and that's the long and short of this promo here as well. Walter says Champa has had other priorities. While Walter's commitment for over 600 days has been nothing but this sport and that NXT United Kingdom Championship. And I want to talk about Tommaso Ciampa's promo package, well, backstage interview by itself. Got to stop slicing and dicing and throwing everything under the backstage uh, and video package title. Um... Moving into cruiserweight action, the rightful champion, at least that's how this podcast is going to look at the cruiserweight championship, Santos Escobar, making even more of the point that he is the top of the game, the absolute top-line predator of the food chain that is Lucha Libre, and that is the cruiserweight championship seen in NXT. So confident, so cocky. So much so looking like a champion. Listen, when they had that confrontation, and I touched on this point, but this is worth reiterating, the fact that Jordan Devlin went face-to-face with Santos Escobar looking that much less professional than him wasn't even wearing a suit. Devlin should have just forfeited his championship right then and there. Presentation is important, and confidence is 
important. A man not lacking any confidence is NXT veteran Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze would accept this open challenge from Santos Escobar. The history with Legado Fantasma, I thought this was a great match. I think it was a great person to accept this open challenge and really make Santos look like a big deal heading into this unification ladder match. Hitting the Fantasma driver for the W for Escobar. That's all she wrote in the matchup. Post-match. Legado del Fantasma looking to make even more of a statement at the expense of Tiger Breeze. But luckily, Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic Cup winners MSK would put a stop to this post-match assault. But the grizzled young veterans would have a message too. Not just MSK, but the other team featured in the Triple Threat Tag Team Match for TakeOver, which is the other two-thirds of Legado del Fantasma, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde. They made... Zach Gibson has a few bullet points when it comes to his promo, but that does not make any form, any second of the time he spends on screen any less brilliant. Making that statement... The soon to be recognized as the number one tag team in NXT. The grizzled young veterans. Point made, point heard, cannot wait for that triple threat. Tag team match cannot wait for the tag for the cruiserweight title unification matchup. Another, another entertaining promo, by the way. Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. I'm kind of, I'm not kicking myself because at the beginning it was not working. It was just such a radical change from the underdog, lovable baby face that is Johnny Gargano, that was Johnny Wrestling, that was slash is Johnny Takeover, that it just kept growing on me and now I find myself in the same way I was anticipating Johnny Gargano as a baby face on screen. I'm anticipating him on screen as a heel. It's been a verbal delight listening to some of these promos. They've been funny. They've been entertaining. But they've also been driving the storyline forward. Austin and Johnny Gargano would talk out a finger poke of doom scenario. The infamous WCW moments between Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash involving the World Heavyweight Championship presented as a possible scenario for the NXT North American Championship. Killed the business. Didn't kill the business. We're still here. Well, that's true. Maybe we could end up doing this after all. Great stuff between Gargano and and Theory, but uh, the muscle-headed moron would not walk out with any form of the victory in the gauntlet match scenario. We'll touch on that at main event time. Before I dive into women's tag team action, I want to talk about Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez. Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez already recognized as a main event for NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. No argument to be made, absolutely deserving of that night one main event spot. The NXT women's division, the best women's division, maybe all in all the greatest division in wrestling right now as far as anticipation and match quality and storyline, and piecing each and every individual aspect that makes pro wrestling great, 
the NXT women's division firing on all cylinders here. And that includes making the champion not just calling her shot. This isn't just David calling out Goliath to defend her championship. This is, you cannot kill me. This has this is Io Shirai going after Raquel Gonzalez time after time after time through the course of this entire show, parallel to a family guy chicken fight sort of level of violence with Raquel throwing Io Shirai through a wall in the CWC. I'll get back to it at the main event, but just need to give credit where it is due at this point in the show before I talk some serious good women's matches and anticipate another woman's debut. The biggest standout story is how great this Io Shirai and Raquel Gonzalez build was made on the March 31st edition of NXT television. Talking tag teams though, Gigi Dalin, formerly known as Priscilla Kelly, and Zayda Ramir making her NXT debut, to my knowledge, looking darn good in this matchup, taking on The Way, represented by Indy Hartwell, Indy Wrestling, and the real leader of the faction, and that's Candice LeRae. Zeta and Dolan both did get a chance to shine. They would not see victory this matchup, but they did get a lot more offense than I anticipated these two getting at the beginning of this matchup, maybe because of how Pavlovian effect there is when you see a team not get their entrance and you see Candice and Indy get the fanfare and the full entrance. There could just be something that, that sticks with you as a wrestling fan that that you just can't wrap your head around when, oh man, these two, these two are looking good against real credible number one contenders for the Women's Tag Team Championship, for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships. Check out that rant earlier in the show if you haven't already. Dolan looking good, technical brawler. Beth Phoenix did a great job on commentary, sharing her background and really, really painting up her style in this picture. But Zeta Ramir really standing out in this one. That hot tag and the sick, high-quality swing blade. A student of Booker T. Definitely keep your eye on Zeta Ramir here. And you can't take your eyes off of Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae, the wicked stepsister face stomp to a springboard elbow drop on the lower back, completely disabling the ability to kick out. That's what that shock in the lower back is going to do to your opponent. All that is going to tingle up your spine. Your upper back is going to lock up. You're not going to be able to move your shoulders. And you're not going to be able to kick out of that one. Candice and Indy insist that their way towards the tag team titles is on their stage at TakeOver, Stand, and Deliver. And Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, our second ever NXT Women's Tag Team Champions because of how rushed the appearance and recognition of these championships has uh, had become, but I'm not going to sidetrack and go backwards into that. I'm going to look forward. I'm going to look forward to this match between Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart defending their titles against Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae. It's going to be a great match. It's going to be anticipated. These four women are going to tear the house down. 
Let's try and move past. Try and move past the the dusty finish of the Dusty Roads classic and the dusty dusty meaning unclear way of how these titles were brought into the landscape of NXT. A Pomeranian was a consistent theme throughout NXT this evening, recognized as Prince P. Oh, I don't have the full notes in front of me because this was due to Twitter study after NXT that I don't have the dog's name in front of me. But I do know that it's Johnny Morrison and the soon-to-be debuting for NXT, Taya Valkyrie's Pomeranian. It's their pet doing their own little strut through the Capitol Wrestling Center. I thought it was the most adorable and cutest free agent signing in NXT history. Back to women's in-ring action, it would be a match that I called and wanted to happen so badly, and I'm very happy it did. I'm hoping that it is a future NXT Women's Championship rematch. I'm talking about Raquel Gonzalez versus the moonshot rocket on her back, so incredibly talented Zoe Stark. It's a little windy and got some things flying overhead in, in my neck of the woods here. Team NXT, apologize for for the abrupt start and start and stop of, of this little segment here. But Zoe Stark, man, Zoe Stark is the real deal. I haven't found an attachment and a fandom for a woman's wrestler this quickly since I saw Becky Lynch on NXT. Saw Becky Lynch debut with the Irish gimmick, see her for a couple more weeks after that, put on these great matches, and that was it, man. I was a Becky Lynch fan from the Irish jig all the way through, and it's been history with me and the man ever since. And Zoe Stark, I kind of feel the same way. Saw her make her debut in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classics with Gigi Dolan, and she was there, she put on a good performance, but this woman was made to be a single star. She's got the size, she's got the athletic ability, she's got the believable tone in her voice when she deliver when she delivers on her verbals. She's got the size to make a believable hoss fight with Raquel Gonzalez. I don't have that many notes on this matchup, and longtime listeners will know when I kind of disclaim a segment with that. It means I'm Eyes locked on the screen, and this is going to be entirely shooting from the hip. My phone was down. I watched this unbelievable match take place in front of me. It got just the right amount of time. It highlighted just the right strengths for both of these women, and it made Zoe Stark look like a credible championship contender by taking this kind of fight to the current number one contender and making it believable that Zoe Stark could have Locked up the victory, but anything can be ended at the drop of that one-armed, powerful powerbomb by Raquel Gonzalez. Big Mama Pump would walk out with the victory over Zoe Stark after a great match with some unbelievable athletic work. I loved the blockbuster neckbreaker from the top rope that Zoe Stark pulled off during this match. Amazing stuff. Zoe Stark. Zoe Stark on my watch list and Team NXT. I'm really hoping she's uh 
she's on yours as well. Io Shirai, still not done with her contender, running out during this one. A common thread in uh, in this episode of NXT. Let's talk Tian Sha. I'll talk Tian Sha and then I'll go back because the uh, the segment that I have jotted down in my notes next really, really does form a more continuous uh, show if I discuss it closer to the Gauntlet Battle Royal. So Tian Sha, Mei Ying, and Xia Li taking on Team Ninja, the KC and KC Connection, KC Katanzaro, and Caden Carter. Xia Li, I love the kata, the choreographed form in the beginning of the entrance for her. I think that, and again, I studied karate, I studied empty hands, but I also have a little bit of weapon training in my own. I studied the Sai, the mini tridents that uh, Raphael from the Ninja Turtles have made famous. I study those, and I've picked up a katana in my life, I picked up some bow stick, bow staff, I picked up some screamer sticks. I like showcasing weaponry, but empty hands especially in the world of pro wrestling, is where you're going to be able to exhibit how big of a true threat you are. And Xia Li did that a few times in her entrance, but bringing back the sword, I think, might have been a step back. I think actually able to show her hand-to-hand offense before actually stepping foot into the ring could paint her more as a threat as a wrestler. Could just be me overanalyzing as a martial artist. Give me your thoughts at podcast underscore UF on Twitter. I thought this match was good. I thought it started off as a little bit of a handicap match, but Xia Li being this tough, reinvigorated warrior since this Tian Sha has completely transformed her mind and Boa's as well. I think uh, I think big things are coming for Xia Li as, as well. And I think that Caden Carter clearly made a mistake here on NXT TV attempting to confront Mei Ying and would be grabbed by the throat, almost in, to my fellow gentlemen out there, the Adam's Apple sort of area, the Rambo, there's a good reference for this one, the Rambo by the neck, the esophagus hold, and then exhaling, I don't know if it was an ether, I don't know if it was some really powerful indica, but it really knocked Caden Carter on her ass and it was that's all that's all that was written from there Tian Sha something wicked this way comes walking away with the victory and one last piece of women's actions news to dive into Taya Valkyrie would be will be making her NXT reinvigorated debut the caption said Frankie so really, really waiting to see what the character change uh, name could be. On the first Tuesday, the first NX Tuesday on April 13th, you can still Venmo me for the use of NX Tuesday. You're, uh, you're welcome. All right, I'm going to talk a couple things. I'm going to talk about one promo related to the Gauntlet Eliminator. I'm going to talk about our friend Tommaso Ciampa, and then I'm going to wrap things up with our main events and do some plugs. And we'll have an episode just about 90 to 100 minutes. Let's do this thing. Tommaso Ciampa 
holding the necklace that was ripped off his neck last week. I kind of put the pieces together based on how he reacted, but now we have evidence straight from the horse's mouth that that necklace was a gift from his daughter and his wife. And he wears that as a reminder to keep them close to him when he's working. And I'm sure a lot of pro wrestlers have these sort of mini reminders or pieces that they might wear with their attire that, that keeps family really close to home and as well as close to uh, close to their heart. So I thought that was fine. I thought that was, boom, point that needed to be made why last week's beat by the, uh, the beatdown was so significant. And this beatdown and all of this happening with Imperium reminded Champa of his journey and his story and coming back from neck surgery and the grind and the hustle and every single thing that had to fall into and right place, right time, right recovery, right support system. All of this needing to take shape for him to continue to do what he loves. The long and short of this promo was a very heated and passionate pushing everything from his usual promo position with Toothless Timmy in that backstage trailer storage area. Wherever his usual promo spot is at, at this point in time, Tommaso Ciampa, it's not taking away from the quality and the emotional content in his words. Because Walter versus Tommaso Ciampa, rightfully so, top three most anticipated matches going into NXT TakeOver stand and deliver. Love this promo. Definitely worth another viewing. The Gauntlet Elimination Battle Royal match taking place now. Kushida and Don would finally have themselves a confrontation on the technical issues they appear to be having. And this technical issue is, quite simply, who is the superior technical wrestler? And... I'm going to give the long and the short of the Gauntlet Eliminator Battle Royal, but this is worth noting that the singles match has been made official for TakeOver Stand and Deliver between Kushida and Pete Dunne. Double elimination for these two guys via the hoverboard lock. I thought it was incredibly well done. This would be a rough start for the match, and I'm not going to go over the rules. Look. Six, pe- six people finish it up. Order of those six people get eliminated. That's the six people that are entering the Gauntlet Eliminator match. Night one of TakeOver. Winner of the Gauntlet match takes on Gargano. Night two. Cool? We got it? We're understanding each other? Okay. S- Scott Steiner is needed to to properly explain something as a... Uh, as convoluted as as what we were presented with all these rules. But anyway, this will be a rough start to the match for Isaiah Swerve Scott as he would be jumped by building rival Leon Ruff, another rivalry highlighted in this match. And that was that was pretty great. This match moved the rivalries for Ruff and Swerve. It moved the and move the meter for Dunn and Kushida to get their takeover match. And it sets up Dexter Loomis still being that creepy contender. And it made LA Knight look like a star in uh, in his early few weeks in NXT as well. Uh, rough. I love his intensity coming out the gates on this one. I thought that 
Tiger Rust was eliminated a little bit too soon in this matchup. I thought he would have been the last guy eliminated before the six would be determined for the eliminator match. I thought a little bit more of a highlight would have been placed on Tyler Rust, or maybe even not right before, but the one before, and then have the big guy Bronson Reed be that one eliminated right before before. But Reed would make it to the final six, so that shows uh, that shows how much I knew. Rust eliminated too soon. Austin Theory. Austin Theory. Very, very entertaining elimination on his end. Falling out. Battle Royal. Royal Rumble-like finish of, I got knocked out of the ring over the top rope, but my feet are still up in the air, so I'm still legal in this matchup. And as Theory scrambles for a way to get back up on his feet into the ring safely, he kips up, his feet hit the, his feet hit the floor, and he eliminates himself. I got a good chuckle out of it. Muscle-headed moron. It's living up to... Uh, to the nickname there. Uh, double eliminated. Uh, Don and Kushida. That singles match made official. Ruff and Swerve. Are going to start. The Gauntlet Eliminator match. So these two will get some time. For one on one action. Thought that was a great move. I think. That Ruff and Swerve. Could be a 205 Live rivalry. Outside of the title picture. That makes us care. About the Cruiserweight division. Same way that you gotta love to see a meaningful rivalry outside of the women's picture that makes us care about the women's title. Same same respects that I'm drawing the parallels for, in uh, in my opinion. Uh, Reed would be next eliminated by Dexter Loomis finally waking up. Dexter Loomis spending most of this time just standing there in the hard cam top right-hand corner. If I'm remembering that correctly this was this was just happened so I'm 99% sure that's where he was located for well not all but most of the uh of the matchup here LA Knight Cameron Grimes Dexter Loomis final three Grimes can't buy him he cannot buy his opponents LA Knight I'm sure has enough money. Dexter Loomis, I'm sure he has his own backwoods ways of, of getting by and uh, and finances just not as important to him as, uh, as they are to some people. So Grimes would be eliminated for his efforts and at least a grand or so would, would hit the floor and I think Wade Barrett might have even picked up some of that scratch on the outside. And then we get down to the final two, L.A. Knight and Dexter Loomis. And I mentioned earlier the unique finishes in this NXT episode. I thought this was no exception for sure. I really, really like this. In all of my years of watching pro wrestling and watching Battle Royals and Royal Rumbles and these type of matchups, I've never seen a finish play out this way. Knight would fall through the middle rope as Dexter Loomis, who was put over the top rope and landed on the apron. So Loomis is moved to the apron from over the top rope. L.A. Knight was moved from the ring to the outside through the middle rope. So Knight is the more legal competitor between these two men in this scenario. And then Knight, from the outside of the ring... 
pulls the feet of Loomis, who again was knocked over the top rope to the apron. So top rope apron to the floor still still applies. And LA Knight secures the victory. Brilliant finish. Not something I've ever seen before. We've all seen when somebody wants to sit out a battle royal. You guys know what I mean by sit out a battle royal. Like the Miz has been famous for it. They'll get knocked under the bottom rope or between the middle and the bottom rope. And the announcers will mention, oh, he's not legally eliminated from the match. Then you forget about him for a little bit. And then you think, oh man, he's still in there. He's still in the match. He never got eliminated. That's exactly where we were put with L.A. Knight and Dexter Loomis, and it played out way differently than I've ever seen a Battle Royal ending play out before, and L.A. Knight will get the chance to enter the Gauntlet Eliminator matchup last on night one of NXT TakeOver, putting him in the perfect scenario to be the number one contender to Johnny Gargano and the NXT North American Championship. And just when you thought this was finished, just when you thought Io Shirai getting thrown through a wall could have been the B B and end all of this of this crazy crazy evening, Io Shirai and her relentless pursuit for Raquel Gonzalez would continue all the way to a locker room clearing brawl. And I waited a little bit to finish the recording of this show, guys. Team NXT, a little bit of an update on this one. Raquel Gonzalez continued to show her dominance when NXT went off the air. And she was planting people with that powerbomb. And making that statement known that she will get her hands on Io Shirai. And she has vowed to become the next NXT Women's Champion. And we'll find out that verdict on night one of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver where the women's title will main events and rightfully so for the greatest division in all of pro wrestling. And that, my friends, because you are my friends, if you're taking this time to listen to me talk about pro wrestling, you are darn right I consider you a friend. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for welcoming me back into your earbuds, into your headphones, into your headsets, into your speakers. However, whenever, wherever you are taking time to listen to this show, it means so very much to me. This is a passion project and I'm doing this I'm doing this for my fellow fans. And NXT Takeover Stand and Deliver is going to be one hell of a high quality event. I have some collaboration projects in mind. I believe I am joining twitch.tv backslash tiptoe with Tulo again for either night one or night two of Stand and Deliver. I'm going to try and talk to Nick this weekend and really try and finish up some some last minute details. I know he has his own thing with Comedians of Wrestling Podcast still taking shape. So uh, we just need to see how that project comes along. Uh, Pro Wrestling Melee I think I'm going to do some NXT TakeOver post coverage with them. Maybe a reactions show. I'm looking to get a predictions show out almost immediately after the Fallout episode. 
next week because of how tricky the recording schedule is going to be. I want that one out by next by WrestleMania week by next weekend, not WrestleMania weekend, obviously. But uh, but by next weekend, April April seventh, April seventh will be the go home show. April sixth will be the go home show. Excuse me. And then, okay, let's call it one week from Thursday. I'm trying to have this out by April 8th or 9th, the predictions for uh, for TakeOver Stand and Deliver. I don't know if there'll be a collab on that or if it'll just be me giving my thoughts and predictions, but I'll keep you guys posted. Keep up on the social media. My most popular form of interaction is at podcast underscore UF on Twitter. Uh, follow and like the Facebook page. I'm going to start getting over there because my Instagram is just not cooperating and the recovery has not been going well. So follow my personal Instagram for podcast updates at C-D-A-N-N-Y-M-A-C. C-D, Danny Mac, but the D in C-D and Danny share that same lettering. Uh, make sure you're listening wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's iTunes, if that still exists, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, which I'm sorry if you're still listening to Stitcher. They changed up the format, and I really don't like it personally. I'm going to try and get myself up on Spotify sooner rather than later. I don't know why I haven't been picked up yet. Maybe I need to resubmit. That's uh, that's for me to figure out and for you guys to, uh, to stand by on. But thank you so, so much for checking out the show. It is great to be back behind the microphone. I cannot do it without the encouragement of my fellow wrestling fans. That's going to wrap this up. Easy as one, two, three, but a little bit harder to get to episode 123. But this has been it, folks. I'm CD Danny Mac, the voice that is your choice for NXT discussion, the OG of NXT, the man with a PhD in NXT discussion. Thank you so much. Be safe. Have a great, great weekend. Be safe out there. Do your absolute best to avoid this this pandemic. We're so close to the light at the end of the tunnel. Please keep washing your hands. Please keep being considerate to your neighbors. And please keep watching NXT. Be caught up with the hottest brand in pro wrestling. And be along for the ride with me. I will talk to you soon, everybody.